Guide to the Urban Mobility Podcast. Welcome to Ride, the Urban Mobility Podcast, hosted by me, Martin Carl of Thabetic, and me, Johnny Combe of Payback Ride, the Urban Mobility Podcast, takes a look at the impact of new business models and new technologies on urban mobility from a global business perspective and explores how each new solution fits into the wider mobility ecosystem. The format of Ride is simple. We invite top industry experts to join us for an open and candid conversation. Ride is about the guests, what they have to say and what they bring to the discussion. You can find more details about shows and guests on our website, www.ridemobilitypodcast.com. Welcome to another episode of Ride, the Urban Mobility Podcast. Martin here, one half of the Ride podcast team, but it's just me behind the wheel today. When you think of next generation urban mobility solutions, you often think of the big e-scooter, e-bike and ride hailing operators that have made their way from startups to household names. Some of them have even reached that almost mythical unicorn status of a valuation of a billion dollars or more. But behind so many of the services that people use lie white label software platforms. And I recently had a conversation with one such company. Toronto-based Joyride was established in 2014 as a bike share management system, but it's since grown into a provider of white label apps and back-end data and fleet management for shared micromobility services in now over 200 markets. But the reason that you as a micromobility user have probably never heard of Joyride is that white label offering. Joyride's customers use Joyride solutions to underpin their own brand shared micromobility schemes. So our guest today is Nick O'Sullivan. He's head of customer success at Joyride, and he talked to me about the role of micromobility in city transportation and the complexities of working with such a wide number of city regulators and transit authorities. We also talked about the potential for mobility super apps and the outlook for shared and privately owned micromobility solutions. Remember, you can subscribe to Ride wherever you get your podcasts and feel free to share it, like it, give it a rating, sign up to the Ride LinkedIn page and check out our website, ridemobilitypodcast.com. We recorded this conversation with Nick out and about, so please excuse the background noise. Okay, that's enough introduction from me. Let's get on with the latest episode of Ride, the Urban Mobility Podcast. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Nico Sullivan. I'm the, the head of customer success with, with Joyride. Um, I've been with the business only since March of, of this year. Um, my first foray into, into micro-mobility. Previously, I, I worked in, in mobility. And yeah, absolutely loving it so far. It's a high-growth, super exciting space. And yeah, Joyride's at the, at the forefront of, of changing mobility for good. So it's an exciting place to be. Great, thank you. T- tell us about Joyride. What, what does Joyride do? Yeah, sure. So it, uh, I'll start at the start. Obviously, a good place. Um, it was born out of, I, I guess, a, a side hustle or, or a passion project for our founder and CEO, Vince, um, who was cycling in and out of his Toronto office every morning and wanted a way to, to track bike traffic um, to, to find the, the best route. It's morphed after a few different iterations to, to now... Uh, offer a, a turnkey solution for shared micromobility operators to launch, manage and, and scale up their own micromobility fleets. So we are a, a software solution, we're, we're, we're totally hard, hardware agnostic, um, so we can plug in and, and, and play in, in different hardware devices, different vehicle types, different IOTs, um, and we offer the operator everything from a, from a software standpoint to be able to run their operations and also 
um, provide their users with a, with a white labeled app. And that white label aspect is really important because you wouldn't ride on a joyride vehicle, right, as a, as a user. Yeah, no, no, you wouldn't. No, so you wouldn't know us um, unless you, you looked really deeply. Um, so say for you, Martin, if you were going to launch your own e-scooter operation here in, in East London, you would purchase the, the hardware, so, so the scooter or the, the, the e-bike or the pedal bike or the, the moped or whatever hardware you decide upon, and then you'd partner with us. Uh, and we would integrate, we'd plug in to that hardware device. Uh, we'd offer a, a back-end dashboard for you to, to manage the fleet, um, access all, all the data you need about uh, vehicles, about the, the riders, um, send out marketing campaigns, do a raft of different things from, a, from the back-end standpoint. And then on the, in inverted commas, front-end side, um, we'd provide you with your own app. So it wouldn't have a Joyride logo. Uh, you'd whack your own logo onto it. And through that app, End users could locate a vehicle, start a ride, end a ride, make payments, pause, do a raft of different other things as well. Uh, promos, uh, campaigns, marketing campaigns, all of that kind of thing um, is done through our white labeled app with your, your logo on it. So you're head of customer experience. Customer success. Customer yep. success. Yep. Who are those customers? Are they the people riding the vehicles or are they the people, are they the operators? Yeah, so, so we're a B2B business, um, so they are the operators. Our customers, um, or as we call them, operators. So our operators exist in over 200 markets globally. We're in every single continent uh, except Antarctica. Yet, we're, one okay. day maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all, all throughout North America, Europe, Africa, Asia, like all of them. Um, so we're all over. Um, they have all different business models, which which is great. Um, they're all different sizes. You know, some of them are scaling up and, and launching in different foreign markets and, and expanding into new places. And some of them, you know, have a, a fleet of 50 to 100 and, and operate in their hometown. Um, and they're really happy doing that. So it's a really exciting space for, for me to be in because I get the, the joy and the privilege of speaking to them, finding solutions for, you know, different pain points that they have in, in micromobility. And at the end of the day, um, you know, giving them the tools to, to run a really successful micromobility operation. And it's micromobility operations that you're targeting. You're not targeting larger operations such as car sharing and, and things like that, or is that on the horizon for you? Yeah, it, it, we're focused on micromobility at the moment, but it's certainly not out of the realms of possibility for us to, to integrate and plug in with, with different vehicles on a, on a larger scale. Um, we're doing a little bit of work at the moment with one of our South American operators to be able to integrate with it with a car share model that they've got going on. Right, that's really interesting because we've spoken on the podcast in the past with other guests about uh, the idea of a super app, yeah. uh, an integrator, one that takes various forms of transport, various business models, and brings them all together so that the user has just one interface to work with. Is that, is that something that is an opportunity for you, is a challenge? Where do you sit within the super app? It, yeah, it's a really exciting space. It, it, it makes it so much easier for the user if there's, you know, a, instead of 20 apps, there's one, two, or three. You know, it, it's not our core business, but what we need to do as a, as a software provider is, you know, make it really easy for our operators, our customers, to be able to integrate with, with those kind of super apps. So, yeah, we, we've already started a lot of conversations with um, a lot of different partners out there to, to be able to do that uh, effectively and successfully. So yeah, it's a, it, it's a really interesting and exciting space. There's bike schemes in pretty much every major city and every major town. 
those schemes are already run through app-based uh, services. How do you break into something like that? Are you working with cities? Are you working with the, the authorities themselves? Or are you working with private companies? Yeah, so we work with, with private companies, but what we're building now um, is even more of a, a turnkey solution where, where operators can come to us, we can have people within Joyride um, consult, uh, direct, um, and give our, our operators information on, on how to win certain permits, um, on how best to set themselves up for success in, in different markets, in different towns and cities. So that's something that we're building into our Joyride Alliance program, um, which any of our operators can, can access. So we don't deal directly with, with the cities, but because we, we have access to, to a wealth of knowledge um, around all our operators launching in different cities and complying with different regulations in cities, we have that knowledge base and, and, and we have team members focused on, on uh, relaying that information um, and consulting uh, on the best way to, to do that type of thing. Same with hardware. Um, you know, we're not a hardware manufacturer, but we're, we're building out teams to be able to, to guide and consult our operators on you know, what vehicle types are best for them in, in what different markets how quickly they can access different vehicles, you know, which is especially pertinent with all the supply chain issues at the moment. So yeah, we're, we're, we're building out different teams within Joyride to be able to offer more of a, a turnkey solution to make life easy for our operators. Because it, you know, it's not an easy thing to do to start up your own micromobility fleet um, in, a, in a new town or a new market. The industry is, is still very young. And with that comes, you know, a, a few teething issues. So our position is, is to, to set our operators up for, for, for success um, and give them the, the guidance and, and consultation to be able to, to operate at a really high level and, and scale. And, and what is the kind of ideal scale for a micromobility operator, one of your customers? Is it small? Is it like a mom and pop operation, as yeah. you might call it, where, with a few hundred scooters? Or is it a really big operation where scale is what breeds their success? Yeah, so I, I think our business model um, lends itself to, to all type of operators at, right. at, at all ends of the spectrum. You know, some of our, our bigger operators, our bigger customers are, are scaling really quickly going into new markets. They don't want to build teams um, and they don't want to have to focus on the software side of things because micro-mobility operations is as hard as it is and fleet management and maintenance is as hard as it is. Mm. Um, so, so they want to be able to outsource that to the experts, which is where we position ourselves. So as they scale, they're more than happy to, to, to use our app and to let us do the, the software side of things. You do the software side of things. They have vehicles out in the streets being used. When those vehicles get damaged, when there's maintenance that's required, who takes care of that? Yeah, so that's on the operator themselves. Okay. Um, they can do all of that through our dashboard, right? Um, so admittedly, they, they can't repair a vehicle through right. our dashboard but they can flag a certain vehicle as you know, maintenance pickup or as damaged, and then they can effectively manage the fleet through the dashboard. And also through an operator app, which we provide, which is different to our rider app, which the end users use. Our operator app is, is for our operators to use out in their operations, managing their fleet, and it can do a, a raft of different things just to help them with that fleet maintenance side of things. When you think of micromobility, you have this image of somebody scooting along the street on an e-scooter, wearing headphones and, and having a really comfortable, relaxing ride. But I guess actually what is it 
just as important in micromobility is the delivery aspect. It's the it's the e-cargo bikes that are now seeing a real boom in cities where there are restrictions on vehicles coming in, certain types of vehicles, certain times of day and noise restrictions and so on. What can you tell us from your experience of the, the growing e-cargo bike market and where that fits in with your yeah. customer experience? Yeah, no, it, it fits in perfectly with our business model. We, we, we've got a few customers operating in that space and they're doing really exciting things. I think it's a space that's going to continue to grow and, and continue to morph. I think you know a, a lot of people or, or people's gripes with, with micromobility might be that you know it, it can get you from A to B, sure, um, but you can't carry shopping from A to B um, or, or you can't carry a pram or a small child from A to B. Um, but cargo bikes um, offer a, a, a solution for that problem. Um, so I think we're going to see it more and more over the coming years. Um, and we're going to see all types of vehicles catering to, to that sort of cargo bike niche, um, which is really exciting. What are the trends that you're seeing in, well, let's talk about e-cargo e delivery as we have just been on it there. What are the trends that you're seeing in that? I mean, there's a big push now for ultra fast delivery, getting groceries to somebody within 10 or 15 minutes. Is that an area where you're seeing particular investment or are you seeing it elsewhere? Yeah, I think we're seeing in terms of trends, like we're just seeing usage skyrocket right. in terms of cargo bikes. So we're seeing a lot of end users, you know, wanting to to subscribe on like a monthly basis or a weekly basis um, to, to different cargo bike schemes. Um, you know, that in, in, instead of wanting it for you know a ride to the shop and back to carry their goods, that they're wanting it for the whole week. They're wanting it to be able to go to the shops, but also to take their kids to school. Um, or, or pick up some furniture from, from, from a friend's house. So through our Joyride software, um, we're able to offer our operators all those types of things. So a, a subscription-based model for, for end users, uh, different promos and, and campaigns to cater for, for all the different types of needs um, that, that are coming out of the, uh, the surge in, in cargo bike usage. What about on the the individual rider side, the get me across the city and, uh, and uh, leave leave the vehicle when I arrive. What are you seeing? Free floating? Are you seeing docking? Yeah. What are the trends? And talk a little bit, as, if you can, as well about as far as you, your understanding is concerned of the the products themselves, the vehicles. What, what changes are you seeing there in like battery technology and so on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's evolving so quickly, and it and it's evolving in a in a positive direction, which is, which is great. But I think you know it's really interesting to talk about the the shared versus private model that's out there, and I think that the two the two operate cohesively, um, and and I think you know there's a, a moment for, for for a private scooter to be used, um, and, and there's a, a time for for a shared scooter to be used or a shared bike. You know, for example, say on a, on a, on a Tuesday, I'm head, heading off to work in the morning. Uh, I know I'm coming straight home after work. Well, I'm going to take my private scooter. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, say it's a, a Friday and I'm heading off to work and I know I'm going to dinner after that and then I might be going to a bar after that and then I'm coming home. It just doesn't make sense for me to use a, a private scooter. So I'm going to use the shared scooter. I'm going to take the scooter in the morning. I'm going to drop it off just near work. I'm going to work the day. I'm going to pick up another one after I finish work and I'm going to ride it to the restaurant where I'm having dinner. After the restaurant, I'm going to want to, want to go out for a few drinks, given it's a Friday night. I'm going to pick up another scooter. I'm going to ride it to the bar. And then once I'm finished at the bar and I've had a few drinks, 
I'm going to take the bus home. You know, so there's, I think there's a need for, for shared, there's a need for, for private, there's a need for public transit as well, um, all existing um, cohesively and, and collaboratively um, as we, we, we move away from cars, which is, uh, which is really exciting. All right, Nick, well, it's been great talking to you. Thanks very much for joining Ride. Thanks, man. Pleasure speaking to you. And yeah, been really nice to meet you. Ride, the urban mobility podcast, is brought to you by Covetic and Pay by Phone. Learn more about Ride podcast partners at www.covetic.com and www.paybyphone.co.uk. This episode of Ride was recorded and produced by Martin Strong. Natalie Webster provided marketing support and Thomas Novak provided expert insight and project management was led by Segal M. Buter. If you like our podcast, please rate it. A five-star rating will help us reach more listeners. For episode notes, to find more information about Ride or to sign up for updates, visit www.ridemobilitypodcast.com. 